down the highway, headed to the range. Gonna knock them out strong, but I feel a little pain. Got an old brown bag that's sticking in the back, but the grass don't grow. Gonna take a few hacks. There's a place for you if you're just like me. I'm Jack Rich, yelling at the TV. I have a nothing to want, but it won't hurt. Got myself a big stick swinging in the Welcome to the PGA Premium Podcast presented by Daily Roto. I'm Christopher Pacheco, and joining me to discuss the BMW Championship, the third leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs, is Colin Drew, the man behind the ownership projections uh, for our golf content over at Daily Roto. Colin, how are you doing tonight? Not too bad. Event kind of snuck up. Week one NFL, always a lot going on. And then next thing you know, we got the BMW Championship. Should be a good event. Yeah, it should be. And, and Colin, this is probably also one of the last, like, playable slates. Maybe even the, the last playable slate we get for, for golf. Does that, does that sound accurate or do we have one more coming up? Yeah, I mean, they'll definitely run contests for the tour championship. I actually think their live final ends during the tour championship week, but mm-hmm. that's a 30 man field and, it's uh, a little dicey from like a DFS perspective. So this one's pretty good. I mean, 70-man cut event. We get a few of these a year. I don't mind them. I think other people are you know, less in favor of them. But for me, I think anytime you get everyone playing through the weekend, it lets kind of the cream rise and lets the projections kind of take out some of the variance. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, this is this is played at Conway Farms. In Lake Forest, Illinois, it's a par 71. Uh, we get three par fives, uh, in, in this course. Uh, it was hosted in 2015 and the championship was won by Jason Day. Uh, I believe he shot like a 22 under. He, he went bananas that week. Um, also we, so, sometimes we get like difficult scoring environments here because of weather, but Colin, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case this week. Um, so, so this should be, I'm not going to, to say very easy scoring environment, but it, it should, it should play friendlier than usual. Um, you're still going to get your risk rewards, uh, holes. Uh, it seems like a pretty good course. Um, and for, and for a 70 man, no cut event, I think I'm going to be playing both cash games and tournaments. Uh, obviously a little bit more tournament heavy, uh, at this time of, of the year. Uh, but with that being said, we can go right into the field, um, which obviously at this point we have all the best names uh, in, in golf. We get Jordan Spieth and, and Dustin Johnson at the very top on DraftKings at 11-8 and 11-5, respectively. Um, Colin, the only the only question really with these two is a matter of um, who you like best, because this week on a 70-man no-cut, you can probably take a couple of risks here and there and, and jam them in. Both are playing really well, too. Speed has two. Uh, he's finished second in, in the last two events. Um, so he's, he's just been playing out of his mind uh, of late and really this, this entire season. So, Colin, who, who do you prefer of these two? Yeah, for me, the tie goes to Spieth on course fit and recent form coming in. Um, I think it's a pretty fair course, so I don't think it penalizes guys who are 
you know, long. I don't think it's set up like specifically for anyone of a certain profile. Uh, so I, I don't think it takes the driver out of DJ's hands, for example. But mm-hmm. um, I think it seems like a, a course where the approach and short game um, is going to matter maybe a little bit more so than normal weeks. And to me, that goes with the edge to Spieth. Uh, the thing for me that I'm trying to figure out is just how high that ownership is going to be, though. And it's something I have to struggle with because my model's built for these, you know, full field events. And now we got different pricing. So the, you know, we still got the super expensive guys, but nobody's priced below 6,900 and it kind of throws my model for a little bit of a loop. Um, but I like speed the most if I was going to pay up for a stud in cash games. And, um, I think DJ is interesting if he does come in as the lowest owned guy out of anybody above 10K. We then have a trio of really good golfers. Ricky Fowler at 10-7. Uh, we also have John Rahm at 10-5. And then uh, Justin Thomas at 10-3 over on DraftKings. Uh, Colin, <laughs> Thomas has finished first, T6, and first in his last three events. His approach game has been uh, just out of this world uh, of late. He's a guy that can obviously score with the best of them. This is a no-cut event. Um, I'm thinking that we're going to see plenty of ownership uh, go to him. But it, it, is it enough to potentially fade in tournaments and go after Rom and Fowler? That I'm not sure about at this point. It's, yeah, it feels like the ownership will be split a little bit between these guys. Uh, JT's definitely been the most consistent from a TD Green perspective, over the past four events he's played, and then he, he's heated up with the putter the last three as well. Um, it seems like the DFS community as a whole wasn't willing to, I guess, trust that he was one of the elite golfers, um, even though he had the, the hot run at the start of the season too. But I feel like with Rahm and Fowler, there's enough value there and affinity for those players that I don't think... We're in a situation where JT is going to be absurdly owned. So um, I do think he presents a, a, a good value at this price. And I I don't think the ownership is going to really penalize you for that. And so um, at the discount, kind of of the, the lower 10K tier, I'm inclined to, to lean on him to start. I agree with you. Uh, on, on that thought, we also have a Hideki Matsuyama at $9,900. Uh, I don't, I don't know. He, he hasn't been playing as well as he did, I guess, when, you know, when he won the, the World Golf Championship at, at the Bridgestone. But like, why is he $9,900, Colin? Like, that seems like a discounted price tag. Matsuyama is one of the better players in, in the world. So like, if I'm not playing JT, or even if I am, I'm also inclined to, to pay this price tag for Matsuyama because it feels a little bit light. Yeah, for sure. And Hideki rebounded a bit last event from a tee to green perspective and his approach game was good. He, uh, you know, past couple events struggled with the putter. Uh, he probably had some positive variants a couple events before that when he had won that WGC event. Um, so, you know, we, we can look for, I guess, an average performance from Hideki with the putter, but I'm not worried about his tee to green play. And I definitely like the thought of, and we'll get to kind of the, 
the discount ranges later, but if I'm building, you know, one lineup or three lineups in these three maxes, I like the thought of building with a little bit more balance to my lineups just because mm-hmm. um, I can make a more well-rounded team that way. And there, sure. there are a lot of good, good players. Um, in the 7K range and less at the kind of bottom end of that. So um, I like Hideki. I, I think Dace probably going to be too popular coming off the win that he had here in 2015. And then you have all these kind of question marks with Rory. And so for me, uh, I'm you know leaning towards Hideki kind of from those three guys. But I also wouldn't mind you know paying down for like Casey and Kepka as well. Yeah, Casey seems like the perfect cash game uh, play at this price, right, Drew? Be like ninety two hundred, super consistent. Uh, I mean, he's generally very consistent. If you look at his last like five, six events, I mean, he's just been on a complete roll. Even if you go back to the seventh event, I mean, he's he's just been really, really good. Uh, ninety two hundred seems like a nice price for him over on DraftKings. Um, I think Kepka. Of this group, I'm intrigued the most from an ownership perspective in tournaments. Um, cause I think Casey is going to be the guy here. And Kepka, in terms of his finishes of late, haven't been great, even though the data on him hasn't been like awful or anything. So I think from a tournament angle, I, I certainly like that play, but like <laughs> you also have Henrik Stenson at $8,900. Uh, Sergio, eighty-seven hundred dollars. Talking here, just the AK and some of the some of the intriguing names. Uh, Kucher, eighty-two hundred dollars. Uh, you have Justin Rose, eighty-five hundred dollars. He's kind of put it uh, together over his last couple of events. Um, just just a ton of goodness in that AK range too. Though I would say, I I feel like paying for at least one nine K guy is probably probably my lean over one of these AK guys. But if you go a little bit balanced, Colin, as you had mentioned earlier, and you're willing to, like, fade Spieth or DJ, you can have access to, like, a 10K guy, a 9K guy, and potentially an AK guy as well. Yeah, you definitely can. With Casey, he's a lock for cash. I mean, it's been, like, since, like, February since he had, you know, a bad event. And I think, you know, even then he's coming inside the top 50 and making the cut. Obviously, everyone makes a cut here. You know, if you're banking on one of these guys as a pivot off Casey, it's not because you expect Casey to do poorly, because that seems like an unreasonable expectation, but rather because you expect that guy can uh, have a really strong finish. And so Casey seems like the play. I think, you know, Brooks, I agree, is interesting in tournaments from a contrarian perspective. You know, he hasn't been playing poorly inside the top 23 of his last four events. And the underlying strokes game metrics are solid. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also a little bit intrigued with both Louis Ustazen and Sergio Garcia here. Not mo- more from a, a leverage perspective than anything, just because I feel like right now I have their ownership projection is coming in pretty low. And while there are certainly some question marks about their form, um, you know, we know enough about them as, as golfers to know that they can compete in any field. And so, one of the ways I've been thinking about possibly trying to build is like a a balanced contrarian lineup where grabbing either Louis or Sergio or both and then going with some of the more popular mid-range players. Uh, Colin, I'm I'm intrigued by my boy Stenson here. Um, this feels like a Stenson course, no? Uh, not overly long. 
Uh, he can he can get around it with his his elite iron play. Um, the one thing that I'll say with him is the scoring, just in terms of the birdie average, um, it just doesn't seem like it's been where where it's been at uh, over the last few seasons. Um, which obviously that that can kind of nip, nip his upside a little bit. But if you're looking for a cash game play, I think 89 for Henrik is is a good tag. Do you agree with that? Yeah, it's definitely a great tag, and he's definitely turned his game around since earlier this season. Um, and so, no issues with with me playing Henrik. Um, not my favorite guy, just because I kind of feel like Sergio has, you know, scores a little bit better, and mm-hmm. I have a comparable expectation for both of them, and I think Sergio is going to have a significant difference discount on the ownership and I'm not really playing cash games this week. Um, yeah. so I lean Sergio, but I wouldn't be surprised if I slipped Henrik into, you know, a lineup or two. Yeah. Kucher would be another guy at 8,200 that, uh, I'm intrigued by in cash games, but that's the thing. Like you can only play so many 8k, 9k guys, uh, in one lineup. So Colin, we have to talk about the 7k guys. And obviously it's, it's a big tier of players. Finau now is priced a little bit, a little bit more appropriately, like just a touch. He's now $7,800 after being in the bottom 7K for, for a while there. Um, he hasn't been playing like out of his mind of late. Maybe, maybe that impacts his, his ownership just a little bit. Um, certainly intrigued by him there. Uh, but you have other names. You have Charlie Hoffman, who's been playing well all season long. Um, $7,600 feels like a good price tag. Um, definitely a bunch of names here, uh, Colin. What, or, or who I should say, um, are you intrigued by? I think the first name that jumped out to me was Mark Leishman, who I was, just because I was on him last event and he rewarded me. And so it's easy <laughs> just to jump back on that because you feel comfortable with it. Um, I do, get the feeling that maybe for the first time in a long time uh, at a little bit higher price and off a couple of disappointing events that Finau might, it might be the week where you get him kind of at a single digit ownership level. And so that is also intriguing to me. And then I think the other guy I've been struggling with, I mean, I struggled with, and we talked about it last time too, but is Phil and he'd been so dreadful coming into the past event. And then, just like out of nowhere, flips a switch, finishes inside the top 10 and trying to decide whether or not I can bank on that continuing because you need to end up grabbing someone down there in the cheap range. Um, and he's always a guy that scores really well. So when we're talking right. about a no cut event with a, potentially a lot of birdies and fills the guy that could get hot for us, right? Absolutely. Um, definitely intrigued by that play. But again, I, I'm with you. I'm not sure if now I'm just bought in because of, of his nice finish and, and all that scoring that he did at the Dell Technologies. I'm hoping that that, like, that woke him up because he had been dreadful there for like three straight events. Um, so I, I agree. I'm, I'm definitely intrigued by that play. And if I'm playing cash games, I'm, I'm probably going to be pursuing him. But you also have Keegan at 7,300. Um, he's been playing really well as well. And, and actually we, we never liked rostering Keegan because of how inconsistent he was, but like 
he's he's been more consistent this season. Obviously, he's also not going to burn you in this no cut event because well, there's there's no cut. So I think in tournaments, I I'm intrigued by that play too. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I, I can't remember if I played Keegan this year. If I have, <laughs> it's only once. It doesn't seem like the time for me to do it is in the best field we'll get all season. So I'll probably be, I'll probably wait until 2018 for Keegan. That's totally okay. Uh, we also have Francisco Molinari, 7,400. Um, that's a guy that burns me, but he's a good player. I think that's a good. Yeah. That's a good tournament play too, right, Colin? Yeah, I mean it's a, it's definitely a fair price. Molly is a tough one. I, I think you know one of the reasons I typically get drawn to him is because of his, oh, I guess historically like his consistency and um, you know high made cut percentage, and that is obviously less relevant in this field. Um, I think I'd I'd rather just spend the money for Daniel Berger and. I'm curious if his like form is questionable enough coming in that he'll be a pretty reasonable at a pretty reasonable ownership level, or whether or not people will gravitate to the name. But that's someone that I, I feel like has a little bit more upside, and even if they finish similarly, I feel like Berger can score a little bit better for the fantasy formats. Um, not not as best game of the year, kind of leading into this, but a guy that I think has enough talent that. Um, he was he was one of the guys that was popping into a bunch of my early builds. Sixty nine hundred dollars is the minimum price tag for DraftKings this week, Colin. Xander Shawfully, sixty nine hundred dollars. Um, what do you make of this play? Because I think I you you might have to dip down here if you want to jam enough AK nine K maybe even a ten K guy. And honestly. He's the best name I see here. The, at least the name I like the most for for upside. Um, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, he was a guy. Like I, I mentioned, the ownership model with this no cut event, kind of like the result for coming in wonky. He was definitely the most popular name from this this price tier. Um, I think he's you know the the best play from like an odds perspective, he's the most mispriced as far as like his T20 odds. And um, I think when you think about scoring, like there will be scoring on those par fives and on some of those risk reward par fours where the longer players have a little bit of an advantage from a birdie perspective, not necessarily from a finished place perspective. And so I think in a no cut event from like a scoring perspective, Xander's one of the more attractive names and someone that, that if I'm, you know, playing in the three maxes that, I'll gravitate to, um, along with, you know, kind of like Gary Woodland up at 7,100 is someone else I was looking at, or maybe someone like Brian Harmon at 7,000. Most of these names aren't, um, at like face value weren't appealing to me when I just started to try to put together teams. And, but you are right if you want to unlock some of the more expensive players that you have to go into this range. And so I was, I was giving it some thought and thinking about how like, because they're so unappealing, I think there's going to be kind of like an ownership vacuum where none of these guys get owned. And in a field with only 70 golfers, several of these guys are going to pop into the top 20. And if, like, Spieth wins, then you're going to end up needing guys from this range. And so 
if I end up trying to build more teams and build a bunch of teams, then the range isn't one where I think I would zero in on one guy because I don't have like a ton of conviction that, that someone's going to be the number one player from this range. I think I would end up trying to build like a core of guys from above and then just throw, sprinkle a couple darts with the, these cheaper guys. Let's talk a little FanDuel golf before we get out of here, uh, Colin. They're pricing once again pretty solid. I want to say I think over the over the course of the season it's become a little bit better. Um, you know, you still have names in in the bottom that I I certainly think you can mix and match with the expensive ones. Uh, obviously, uh, Xander fifty eight hundred dollars over on that site stands out. Kyle Stanley fifty five hundred dollars again. This is a no-cut event. Like, just get guys in there that score at a cheap price tag like that. And then, you know, you can come up to the more expensive guys. Um, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued by it. And it seems like if you grab enough of those guys, like say you grab Stanley and Xander, you might be able to, to really jam in so, some expensive ones. Uh, Colin, that, is that the way to play there, uh, this week? That is definitely a way to play there this week. Um, I'm trying to think back to some of these other WGC events where I was playing. and Because with DraftKings pricing, they basically raised the minimum price from, you know, 64, 6,500 up to 69. And then there's a bunch more guys in that range. So they're changing their pricing to reflect the odds in the no-cut event, whereas FanDuel did not change their pricing. So if, if you were going to build a cash lineup, for example, on FanDuel, which I don't think I've done in months, but if you're going to, then you can very easily fit in multiple of the elite high-end plays um, without sacrificing really anything. Because Mm -hmm. from a projection perspective, even though, you know, we, we like someone like Kevin Kisner better than someone like Brian Harmon, like their actual fantasy point projection is not nearly as dramatic as the difference in price in a no cut event where everyone gets to play four rounds. If there was a cut there, then it's definitely a, a dramatic change. So I think like the optimal way to build from maximizing fantasy points perspective is definitely to go stars and scrubs. Um, but I like I'm, I need to pull up some of my old lineups. I, I want to mm-hmm. say that in similar situations that you end up with like. DJ and speed coming in at like 50% ownership. And so the WGC event that Hideki won, um, obviously Hideki and, you know, JT and Casey and Kepka, like all those guys are capable of winning. And I think in the event that Hideki won, because, because he won and because of how their finish points work, you didn't really need any of the studs, even though a couple of them had like adequate performances. Um, and the best lineup construction then ended up being a more balanced lineup where you kind of had every one of the eight golfers inside the top 20. And so if, if I don't know, if people are going to build like 50% through speed and 50% through DJ or, you know, 40% through each of them and, you know, 10% people are playing both of them, then there are definitely ways that you can pivot. It's something I want to go back and look at the ownership for, though. Yeah, I... I agree with you. It definitely seems like the, the optimal way starts in scrubs, but in tournaments, I definitely would encourage a little bit more balanced because it does seem like that would be the contrarian route. Um, and, and this sort of event, like in a no-cut event, I definitely think that would be the contrarian route. 
Uh, Colin, any last thoughts before we get out of here? Obviously, a little bit of a shorter pod since, you know, we only have a 70-man event to, to discuss at this point of the season. Um, any any parting thoughts before we get out? No, I mean, I'm definitely going to play both sides again. One of the things I've been enjoying the past couple of weeks is, you know, getting rather than getting exposure to, I don't know, 12 golfers on DraftKings or 15 golfers on DraftKings, where there's sometimes I'm just forcing plays in because of the ownership or taking plays at a slightly worse price. I think you can get exposure to those same golfers at, at like a more efficient price on FanDuel. And so we were talking before the pod, but like Kevin Chappell is somebody that um, I think has been playing pretty well and fits the course nicely and has top 10 upside. if not better than that, but he's just price and range where I want to play him on DraftKings. But I'll definitely grab someone like that on FanDuel. Yep, I'm definitely excited to, you know, play one of the last events of the season, at least playable events in, in terms of, of being able to play on, on a site. Uh, but Colin, thank you so much for joining me. That's going to do it for this edition of the PGA Premium Podcast presented by Daily Roto. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. Got an old brown bag that's sticking in the back where the grass don't grow. Gonna take a few hacks. That's the place for you.